When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Snippet, the short podcast platform. This is Check Your Privilege, the podcast. Let's welcome anti-racism guide, mental health activist, and founder of the Check Your Privilege movement, your host, Maisha T. Hill. Welcome to Check Your Privilege, the podcast. I'm your guide on this journey, Maisha T. Hill, and as always, I'm excited to be in community with you. I'm really grateful to be joined today by my friend, Mary Fashik, who is the founder of Upgrade Accessibility. Mary, thank you for being here today. Maisha, thank you so much for having me. Um, It is always a pleasure to hold space um, with community members and activists and advocates. And before we jump into it, I'm not going to read like your bio per se, but I would love you to name yourself for yourself by uh, playing around of who are you. Most of the guests on the show have been kind of naming themselves in this way, and it's essentially you describing yourself with one word that describes who you are. So I'm going to get us started. Mary, who are you? Activist. Who are you? Disabled. Who are you? Stubborn. Who are you? Beautiful. Who are you? Fiery. Who are you? Strong-minded. And who are you? Disabled. Thank you, Mary. What What's it like to actually get to name yourself versus reading a bio? Yeah, it's so difficult. I always say the most difficult thing I have to do is to talk about myself. I can talk about my work all day long, but you ask me to talk about myself and I get stuck because we're so busy defining ourselves by society standards that we don't take time to find out who we are as people. That's so interesting, right? Because we know we're born to uphold these systems of imperialist, capitalist, white supremacist, ableist, patriarchy. And we're almost born in with a label, right? And I hear you, like, we're so busy trying to keep up with the label that we oftentimes don't make the space to name ourselves for ourselves. So thank you for that, Mary. You're the founder of Upgrade Accessibility, and I'm curious what called you into this work. So this is a question I always get asked, like, how did you start? What what brought you into this? And I have to say, the answer I give kind of surprises people when I say I was born into this work because when you're disabled, you're always having to advocate for yourself and you learn very, very young when you're disabled that if you don't speak up, for yourself, no one else is going to do it for you. So I've 
always, always had to advocate for myself. I've always had to speak up. I've always had to say, you know, this isn't right that I'm being treated this way or, or being bullied or called names or whatever. So I've always advocated for myself. What changed is how I advocate for myself and how I advocate for my community. I have a better understanding of who I am as a disabled woman and that the fact that disability is beautiful and being disabled is beautiful and there's nothing wrong with being disabled and you know non-disabled people have put this negative connotation on the word disabled because they don't understand it and they don't take the time to understand what disability actually is. I think it's negative. I think it means you can't do something. And, and they're missing the entire point of being disabled, of what it means. And to that point, I always tell the story about the beginning of upgrade accessibility mm-hmm. and how it started with a hashtag. Because I was in a grocery store bathroom with my best friend and I went into the accessible stall and my motorized wheelchair barely fit into that stall. My my armrest was pressed up against the door. I had maybe a foot of space to maneuver to get from my chair onto the commode. And I came out of that bathroom and I said to her, who decided that this was accessible? And I realized that it's non-disabled people who are designing these accessible stalls. Anything accessible is being designed by non-disabled people. And I looked at her and I said, accessibility needs an upgrade. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and that was it. That was the birth of upgrade accessibility. And it started with a hashtag. It turned into a movement months later. It has grown into something that evolved to, into disability justice. As I've grown in my work, I've learned the importance of disability justice and intersectionality. And I realized that again, I've done this work all my life, but now I'm doing it in a much more effective way. Oh, that's amazing. Like, I love hearing origin stories because you can hear like the vision of why something was started and then like what keeps it alive and and how you've evolved even as a person. So it's beautiful to, to hear that something that started as a hashtag has now moved into a movement of itself. I want to ask one more question related to this. And it's like, as someone who does this work, have you ever encountered individuals who are like, stop speaking for us, you can't speak for the disabled community? And if so, like, like, what do you do? Or like, how do you shift? Right? Because oftentimes, I now have to say, like, I'm not speaking for I'm speaking with. Right? So I'm curious of like, what's your practice? So I get this all the time that I get people that say, 
you can't speak for the entire disabled and chronically ill community. And I always say, I'm not doing that. As you said, I'm speaking with, I'm not speaking for, I'm speaking from my lived experience. And you know, if you don't agree with what I've said, you don't have to like the social media post or you don't have to engage. We don't have to dis- you know, we don't have to agree on certain things and if you don't agree with how I do my advocacy, that's fine, but you don't have to engage with me in a negative way. And I do want to make a point to say a lot of times that the pushback I get are from white privileged disabled people because you can be disabled and still have privilege. And I think that's something that doesn't get talked about enough that people just lump disabled people into one big group without recognizing and understanding the nuances within the community that yes, you can be disabled, and yes, you can have privilege, and being a multi-marginalized disabled person is different for everyone because you can be white, disabled, and queer, be multi-marginalized, but you're not multi-marginalized in the same way as a black queer disabled person. That's it. That's the answer. Well, it'll evolve most likely. Thank you, Mary. I am so grateful to like hear that. I want to get into ableism though, Mary. I got a couple questions here. Like, what is your definition of ableism? It is the systemic discrimination against the disabled community by both the government and society. We've had a lot of conversations around how the government wants to keep the disabled and chronically ill community oppressed. The, I've said this multiple times, the government wants disabled and chronically ill people impoverished and uneducated. Because as long as we not, are not financially stable, financially secure and educated, they don't see us as a threat to them. The biggest threat to anyone, government or in society, is an opinionated, educated, disabled person. They don't want that. Oh my gosh, this is this is deep stuff for non-racialized uh, white folk in the world. They don't want any of us to accumulate wealth and have an opinion and be seen and be heard, right? Because that is a big disruption of their system. But that's what we, some of us are born into this world to do is to disrupt whether we have, whether we are disabled and or not. But what's interesting is me recognizing in this moment that a lot of us are born in disruption and are silenced by systems. And it's the government systems, it's the workplace systems. uh, And when it comes to ableism, It's so interesting. It feels like that word, like that definition, and I'm 40 years old now, is just coming into my own vocabulary. So we don't even, a lot of folks are unconscious of the, what ableism is and how it works. So thank you for that explanation. 
Well, I mean, in all transparency, I only learned that word in the past five years. I knew I was being discriminated against, but I never knew the term for it. I never knew what ableism actually was until I really got into this work. So it is not something that is taught. And it should be. Um, there should be a lot when we talk about homophobia, when we talk about racism, when we talk about transphobia, I always see ableism excluded. And it needs to be included because we need to talk about all the isms and ableism is always intertwined with racism. It's intertwined with transphobia. It's intertwined with homophobia. It's all of those things. They're all of those things. The basis, society's foundation was built on ableism. We're all just entangled in this mess. And so when I think of being entangled in it, it's just so much when you think of it. What can we do, Mary, as individuals to really work on that entanglement specifically with ableism? I think the most important thing that anyone can do is listen to disabled people. And not only listen to disabled people, because this is a conversation that I have a lot within my community. Listen to black, brown, indigenous people of color who are disabled. If you are listening to the blonde hair, blue-eyed, disabled person who is palatable to you, then you're not really listening to the disabled community. Because again, there is privilege, there are layers of privilege within any community, but especially within the disabled community. Listen to the most marginalized people in the disabled community, and do your research. Go beyond Special Olympics. Go beyond Paralympics. Don't just wow. see us as an inspiration, because if you need a disabled person to inspire you, then I urge you to do some self-examination. I was not ready for that. <laughs> Go beyond looking for exceptional disabled people to inspire you to work on your entanglement with ableism. I think, Mary, when we're using the word ableism, people are probably like, well, how do I know what ableism is? And here's something that I did just this morning. I was on a call and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. And in that moment, it's the language. Crazy. Psycho. Retarded. I'm just saying those are the words. We'll be in conversation with people. We don't recognize in the even in those moments sometimes that, oh, it's not just, it's offensive, but it's actually ableist, right? And that is the hardest thing is to shift language. And nobody is perfect, and I've had to work on my own relationship with language. But if we're going to shift language about other marginalized groups, why can we not shift language when it comes to disabled people? I don't understand why that is so difficult. And it's like, oh, well, I use that all the time. I understand that you do, but you know, 
You might run a red light. That doesn't mean that you're supposed to run the red light. And you know that at some point there will be a consequence of, of, of that. Shift your language. It's not that hard to say, oh, that's wild. Instead of saying that's crazy. It's not that difficult. It's not, but I think when we're in these conversations and when we're, when we're talking to people and when we're like, it feels like we're constantly in urgency, even in our conversations. So there's not mindful pauses. There's not space to reflect. There's just like a, you say what you say. It's like a script that we've grown up with. A person's going to talk. You're going to respond as fast as you can because of supremacy. We don't make space for people to really think and process without thinking that they're being a weirdo or that there's something quote unquote ableist thinking wrong with them. Right. And so I really think it's going to take for us, Mary, to really slow down, enter conversations with curiosity and not rush to have an answer or not rush to have a response, but really listen to understand and reflect rather than thinking you have to have the answer or move fast. And that's just part of this settler colonialist delusional thinking that we've been all raised to uphold. And Mary, I'm I'm grateful for this for you, for, for you explaining that to us. And once you start practicing it, it's like everything. You know how I say when you practice it become a habit. Once you start practicing that shift in language, before you know it, you will filter out all that ableist language. It will become second nature to you. Now, am I saying that I don't occasionally slip? Sometimes I do. But has my language evolved in the past year? Absolutely. It has evolved. And we do our best. And that's all we're asking is that you think before you speak. And also, I want to just say one thing about ableist mindset. The thing that we also need to shift is the thought that someone who is nonverbal or has impaired speech does not have the autonomy to their thoughts or does not, is not what society deems as intelligent. Because oftentimes that is very far from the truth. I know that I have faced a lot of ableism, a lot of discrimination just because of my speech. But if I give you something written down, everyone's like, oh, Mary, these are powerful words. But the minute I open my mouth to speak those powerful words, people stop listening. Take a breath right there. Excuse me. Listen to disabled voices. Center marginalized disabled voices. Remember that the disabled community, we are not projects. We are full humans living in a human experience and we've all got work to do, right? When we talk about healing up collusion or or working our entanglement, it's not a one and done. Mary, you just spoke to like this last year and seeing growth over the year. There's no overnight pill for this. And so Mary, I just want to thank you for your time today and let the folks know where they can find you. Marcia, thank you so much. This was an amazing conversation. You can follow me on Instagram 
at Mary Patrick, and you can follow my work at Upgrade Accessibility on Instagram and Twitter, and you can check out my website at UpgradeAccessibility.com. Thank you, friends. And for all of you listening, thank you so much for your ongoing support. We'd love to have you as a member in our Check Your Privilege Co-Conspirators Lounge. You can find that information at www.checkyourprivilege.co. And until next time, keep on living into your work. Peace. Thank you.